Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Hey, Kat. Hi, Tanya. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. You look lovely learning. today. Oh, thank you. Got my hair done today. Had a little massage. Got a little jolt of Reiki in my massage. It was pretty exciting stuff. Nice. <laughs> I like it. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about business of yoga. And we're, we're talking primarily about marketing, but also about locations and hiring instructors, special events and finances and stuff like that. So just all kinds of good stuff that people need to think about before they open a yoga studio. Business part two. Mm -hmm. And I guess think about even after they have one open, because who truly ever is an expert at marketing? It changes every day. Yeah. You never have all the answers out the gate. It's just not possible. Uh, pretty much most of business is trial and error. Mm -hmm. Well, so talking about location, how did you decide on the location for your new studio place? I know you moved locations. For me, the biggest piece is parking mm -hmm. because in a small town, if you have to park on the street or have to do any sort of street parking, it makes it a little trickier for people to really want to get out of their car in the winter and trudge up the sidewalk, you know, a block and a half with their hot mm -hmm. yoga mat and then leave sweaty, cold, drippy <laughs> into the freezing cold uh -huh. air. Like yeah. it's not, it's not super conducive. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, the biggest priority was parking. I had found a place that I really, really loved and was potentially going to do before this, before we signed the lease on the new location. However, one of the sort of disagreements was how is parking going to go? Because it was a like sort of a smaller strip mall and they wanted to us to pay for signage to dedicate two spots to every location. And then the rest of our clients would get whatever was left over after that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, see, no, I'm probably not going to do that. Like, no. first of all, if your clients are, you know, filling the place at 5am, like we would be for a 530 in the morning class, that's great. But most businesses don't even open till eight, nine o'clock, like, mm -hmm. maybe some at seven, but our, you know, our biggest class is going to be here and gone before you're all awake. Right. Right. And yeah, it was just, it got to be kind of messy and it was all fighting over stupid parking. So I was like, no, nah, we're out. <laughs> <laughs> we're out. So for me, obviously mm -hmm. it's got to be uh, seeable, like visible mm -hmm. from the road, the highway, you know, whatever signage you need, like that's important. Location is also kind of the rule of right turns. You got to be able to get to it without having to do a U-turn or turn, you know, multiple times left, right? Right. Or that you have two entrances to the parking lot so that if people are coming from the other direction, they can, you know, get in from their side. So, yeah, I mean, for us, we just happen to be centrally located in our town. It's visible from both the highway and the street. So mm -hmm. it's really a great, great location. Mm -hmm. Well, and I agree. Location in the town, I think, is very important because generally most people will travel. And now this is in a bigger city, but most people will travel within a five mile radius. So if you decide to stick a yoga studio 10 miles out of town, you're not going to get very many clients. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, you have to have a pretty big draw. But anyway, so this is my third location. When I bought the studio, I was in an upstairs loft area on Main Street and it was beautiful. It was just a beautiful studio, but there were so many people that couldn't get up there because they were, I mean, it was tons of stairs. I wish I could draw a picture for you of how steep and narrow, because this was an old building. It was like 1920s, 30s building. Um, yeah, if it had been retrofitted maybe with a lift or an elevator, then sure, absolutely, because yeah. it does have that lofty, yogi mm -hmm. feel, like it's just wonderful. But if there's not access for the people who really need yoga, then that's not yeah. super great. Yeah, and the parking was the same problem you had, you know, yeah. and we don't get the cold and snow like you do, but Tennesseans can be wussy if it's cold and snowy because we don't get it that often. Um, but, you know, so the parking was not a good choice there. The second location was, I call it the stinky building. It was still on Main Street, but it was, it wasn't a great place. But anyway, we chose the location we're in now. Um, actually, it kind of chose us. One of my yogis was building a little area and said, I want you to be one of my tenants. And it's two blocks off Main Street and nice big parking lot. So it worked out great. And we do have two entrances for people coming in and out. But it is, you know, within a decent radius for most of our clientele. Which is awesome. Like that's the way it needs to be, really. Um, yeah, I think about it from the aspect of if if you live in a small town, now granted, if you're in a suburb and you're building this business or whatever, then, you know, it's also kind of like triangulating, like where's the next yoga studio? But mm -hmm. it's like no different than a gas station. You know, you, you have the exit and entrance to your, you know, city on the highway and there's a gas station on all four corners and there is always people at every gas station. Uh -huh. So it, you're never going to not be without business, like, right? So mm -hmm. place yourself amidst whatever you need to, maybe not right next door. I mean, there are some like rules in our city that if it's a strip mall of more than 10 locations, you can't have two exercise facilities in it, which makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, if you can manage that you are somewhere centrally located between the bank, the gas station, the grocery store, and the school, because that's where for us as you know yoga practitioners, a high quantity of our demographic is middle-aged females who mm -hmm. have children, married right. with children, or divorced with children, who are dropping their kids off at school for a function and coming to do yoga and then going back to get their kids at school. So being near the school mm -hmm. makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, very, very true. So, so check out locations and, you know, we were there first and now there's tons of little fitness businesses kind of around us. But, you know, there's plenty of people in this world. There's plenty of room to share. So just find the location that makes the most sense to you. Okay. Well, besides the location, another thing that people need to consider is um, who's going to work for you? Who's going to help you teach classes? Because when I first start out, started out, it was the Kathleen show. I taught every single class at the studio for three years. And then my sister and I did the business together. And so we had initially five instructors, I guess. And they were wonderful, wonderful people. And we really enjoyed them. Some of the new ones, some of the ones we had initially don't work with us anymore. We have 11 instructors total now. And they, they're all such a good fit. We all have the same focus. We all have the same motivations for being there. And it's just such a nice compliment 
because you really want to hire people that have the same vision that you have that are not working against you. Yeah. Because it keeps, it keeps everybody in the love of your concept, your purpose, your mission, Mm -hmm. your studio. Yeah. It's, the key players, like that's a huge component of building your business is knowing who the key players are going to be. And right when it's, you know, like you say, it was yourself for a long time. And then it was like, okay, now if I'm going to add people, who am I going to add? How am I going to, how am I going to decide who the right people are? And trust me, you're not going to get it right the first time. No, Neither of us got it right. We both can probably list stories of how we had definitely the wrong relationships going and, you know, that, but that's part of also the growing pains of, of learning what you really truly are aligned with and what your business and your mission is going to be. There are going to be people who are going to seem like they fit out the gate and then you're going to work with them for a time and you're going to be like, yeah, this is not going the right direction and I'm not comfortable with this anymore. And either they're going to leave on their own because they also feel the discomfort or you're going to have to figure out how to dismiss that person and find somebody who is going to fit the bill and is going to provide you, your students, your clients, you know, the right environment. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's tricky though, because I know both of us could say we've had broken hearts on account of issues we've had with people we invested in, in terms of, I don't want to necessarily say partnerships, but, you know, teacher owner relationships and the likes where, you know, there has been fallout after and the loss has, you know, kind of left a tiny little fissure in our heart. Well, and sometimes it they end up being your friends. And so then it really is a challenge if you hire someone that was your friend before they worked with you in the studio. That's that's a lot of times a real challenge because mm-hmm. it's hard to move from that friend relationship to I own the business, we're working on the same team kind of a thing. Um, you know, Lauren and I really don't consider ourselves the owners of the studio. We really consider our whole entire team as the owner of the studio because, and everyone treats it like their studio too. And so it's just, you know, it's very comforting, but you have to find that special person that, you know, agrees with you and your mission. Yeah. And I say that like in all of my sort of interviews and hiring processes is, you know, I want you to love this place and I want you to treat it like it's yours. So when you come into it, you own a key, you take care of the place. When you leave it, you leave it the way you found it for the next person. The next person's going to do it for you. Like it's just that agreement that, you know, I want you to love it so much that, you know, when clients come, they feel that emanating off of you. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Tanya. Do you belong to the Chamber of Commerce in your town? I do. You do. Okay. I did initially, and we never could go to their meetings because they have their meetings when I'm teaching, always. I can never get to their meetings either. And as much as I, I'm I'm so 50-50 on the fence, like I feel like it's important to be part of the Chamber because the Chamber puts you in every new resident's mailbox you know, like there is that that you'll never be able to draw from if they don't get that information right when they move in. But on the flip, there is so much that I feel like we miss out on because 
you know, their all of their business luncheons are, you know, right in the middle of the day. I always like try to show up when it's evening events and things like I always present myself when it's, you know, our weekend functions and stuff. But yeah, I'm not there for the monthly meetings. And it just is what it is. Well, and so I think, I mean, because I do think the chamber is an important uh, piece to at least try and see if if it's a fit for you as a as a business owner. But there's other ways you can network with businesses. And we do that a lot. And I know you do as well. We try to buy local always for any events we have. We give our teachers gift cards from the local diner or the local, you know, lunch place uh, or bistro. So there's a lot of ways you can network with other businesses. So that helps them think if someone says, hey, you know who does yoga in this town? They usually know. And it's not just about being selfish and wanting someone to (laughs) remember to send people to you, but it's about, you know, that camaraderie, you know, working with other businesses and then trying to help small businesses out because we're all little guys. Yeah, well, there is a selfish component to it. And not, don't feel bad about that either, because we are trying to build our business and we would expect them to do the same. If they wanted to come in and say, hey, would you put these coupons out for us? Put these on your counter. I would say absolutely. Yeah. Like we support each other. That's that's what this is all about, you know, and you know, building those business relationships is a big deal. We have a, um, a couple relationships with some local businesses to provide yoga to their employees based on their wellness program. And that they know that it's going to give them lower insurance rates if they offer the insurance or if they offer the ability to do exercise under their wellness care, right? So they're getting breaks on their insurance. Their employees are getting a shot at some cheap yoga. It works out for everybody. Those are great well, business relationships. I would love I would love to know how you got in there. I, we approached a couple of the larger businesses in town about offering yoga for their people that at on the work site. And we got a, we got kind of strong-armed a little bit about that. So how did you get in the door? Really? Well, yeah. I did it like <laughs> over, I did it over a weekend. I built these folders and in the folders, I had written a cover letter to the company. And then I had written a mock email to the employees and had put in brochures, cards, and then examples of packages if they wanted to buy packages or if they just wanted to give their employees like a laminated card that says I'm, you know, an employee so I get a discount when I come. And so I had drafted all these and I built like 20 folders and I went door to door. Oh, wow. I took I took a couple days and I went door to door and I just went Hey, would you like to have a business relationship with Azitola Yoga? Here's an envelope and a brochure. Contact me if you think you're interested, if you think your employees could benefit from this or, you know, whatever it was. And what I had done is I just built this agreement that anybody that showed their business card and the email that we had provided, and I told their, their staff that in that letter, that if they wanted that email in a hard copy or in a digital copy, that they could just forward it in their newsletter. Like, right. And so, yeah, wasn't very tricky. We ended up getting quite a few people who came in and said, Hey, I'm an employee down the way. And I hear I get a discount if I come in. And so they would bring in their little laminated card and off they went. 
See, and this is one of the perfect examples of why we decided to do a podcast because we sit around yakking all the time about stuff. And then one of us will go, Oh my gosh, how'd you do that? Like that's some brilliant shit you got going on there. So I'm thinking, okay, so you got to email me that in all your spare time. So I can have it down because I couldn't take notes. I'd make too much noise. Yeah. But no, that's, that is awesome. So, um, you yeah, know, I just had a stack of envelopes and I just went through and I dropped them off. And I said, if you have time to chat about it now, that's great. If you don't, all the information is in the envelope. My email is there. Contact me if you think you'd be interested. So it was no pressure. And, you know, a couple of them were really receptive because a couple of them had just, I don't know, maybe had an audit from the insurance company because they had had a number of injuries or something, or they were on high OSHA alert or whatever, because they're like, well, actually, we're working on a wellness program right now because we're trying to get our health numbers back in line. And I was like, well, here you go. Wow. So you could probably even in your uh, studio software system have a tab for wellness, wellness program member. We call them business partners. Oh, that's So if they came in, if they came in off the business partner, then all we did was we created a link. That person came in and we would drop the business partner membership into their folder and it automatically gave them 15% off their purchases. That's fabulous. Yeah. You know, it'd be really cool for people like that. And you may have already done is to do a special bundle price for mats, blocks, bolsters, straps and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty cool and have it waiting for them the next time. (laughs) Look at us. We're like, what can you do to make some money? (laughs) Well, speaking of making money, another way. Well, speaking of making money, why don't you talk about finances? and how to stay on top of them, knowing what's coming in, what's coming out. Um, I was pretty impressed. You knew exactly how many people you had to have in the studio to break even during COVID and exactly how many spots had, I mean, that's that's pretty darn awesome, but you are a little Miss Math Whiz. I am little Miss Math Whiz. Yeah. So that's a thing. Like, I mean, we could probably do an entire episode on finances, expenses, what's your ROI, you know, and people, some listeners are going to be like, well, that's all Greek. But here's, here's, here's a very simple equation. Your money coming in must be more than your expenses going out. <laughs> Is now rocket science, friends. And yeah. it's a really hard lesson. And during COVID, there were times where the money coming in was not more than the expenses going out, which hurt a lot of us. Well, it wasn't. And it was almost the whole entire time. It was yeah. almost the whole entire time. And so that's a bit of a struggle. And some of us are still trying to recover from those damages and praying that we don't have another closure come the fall or, you know, whatever's going to happen. Because if we do, the the problem with this is, is that those of us that maybe are still trying to recover may not be able to manage if there's another closure. So we're all trying to keep ourselves above water. But for the most part, simple, simple formula. Yeah. Money coming in must be greater than the money going out. <laughs> well, and how the- do we determine that? Like there are ways, you know, if you're good with your accounting, 
then, you know, all the power to you if you do it yourself in a small business. If you feel like you're not comfortable with that, then you need to hire yourself an accountant or get with somebody who is who is able to help you decipher what your expenses coming in are. What is your general overhead before you even get started? Overhead, you know, is going to include your rent, your electrical, your telephone bill, your internet, you know, the cost of a sleep freaking program like mind body, which is not cheap, but it's, you know, kind of the thing that most everybody is doing, right? So know what your overhead is before a customer even comes in, because that's what's going to help you establish what you're going to charge your customers. A lot of times we forget about the little things too, like cleaning supplies and toilet paper. And for you, probably towels and cleaning. And there's so many things that you don't think about when you first start. And during COVID, we spent a lot of money on hand sanitizer and spraying disinfectants and things like that. So don't forget the little penny things because they add up. They totally add up. And the, the irony of that is, is even, even five years into the business, I created, when we moved into our new location, I created a budget for the expenses for our second build out on the new location. And I thought I had gone through everything. Like I thought I had covered all and I even put in a what if budget. You know, I think it was like an extra $1,500 or $2,000 for, you know, up jumps the dragon. And I was still at least 10 to 14% off. When my expenses came through and that was a bit stomach because I was like, ah, fudge. I was already reeling from up jumps the dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Welcome to Minnesota. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's just some of the stuff I say. Moving right along. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, another. Thing is when it comes to finances that we learned the hard way is do not discount yourself to your customers. During COVID, we had so many people that would not come back. So we discounted the, uh, we did a special, a temporary special. And then when you drop the price a lot, just to get people in the door, they don't want to pay the higher price. And, you know, when you drop the price, most of the time, you know, you're underwater but they don't see that. They All they see is, wow, well, it used to be this. Then you dropped it down to this. Why can't we just stay here? It's hard to raise the prices once you lower them. And we have a hard way. So, you know, don't discount yourself. I mean, we are professionals, you know, we, most people have, a, you know, advanced degrees, they all have certifications and, you know, you've put a lot of time and energy and work into your business. And so don't discount it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like there's, you know, we do monthly sales and if mm-hmm. people, you know, come at us saying, oh gosh, I missed the sale. Will you still honor that? My response is always like, you'll have to catch the next sale. We run them monthly or we run them every other month. So watch out for the next sale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just is what it is. Like, you know, as you say, we are trying to run a business and especially post COVID, most of us aren't, you know, thriving. Well, and another way to increase your finances is with special events, like having yoga teacher trainings, doing workshops, retreats, community events, having guest instructors. Like I had this amazing guest instructor from Minnesota. 
that came in and taught a restorative Reiki class. And everyone is still talking about how much they loved you. But it was so neat. You know, everyone in your studio knows you, but you were like the new flavor. You know, when you popped into our studio, they're like, oh my gosh, it's Tanya. I've only flavor of the her. month. <laughs> yeah. Only heard her on the podcast. So, you know, use your friends that you know other places because it's always so flattering when someone asks you to go teach at their studio. So don't be afraid that someone will like them better. It just shows what a great steward of your business. If you bring guest instructors in, offer that up for your people. And like we generally do a split when we um, have a guest instructor in, because we do usually provide, you know, if we have refreshments, but uh, we also do the advertising and stuff like that for it. So the studio for us keeps uh, 30% and we give the instructor 70. And usually uh, when we have a guest instructor in, of course, Lauren and I don't pay for ourselves, but it ends up being a win-win for everyone. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I mean, it, it provides something new and exciting mm-hmm. and maybe it's just enough to get a couple of the people who hadn't been in for a while back in. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, anytime you do something new and exciting, people are like, whoa, well, I didn't know you were, I want, I want, I want a piece <laughs> of that. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and teacher trainings, you do a lot more teacher trainings than I do. And you teach all of them all by yourself, too. I mean, I teach them all by myself, but I, I have Lauren as my amazing sidekick that that helps out, too. And then Lauren, you know, teaches many of her own other things, too. But teacher trainings are a good way to help supplement income for the studio. Right. Mm-hmm. Teacher trainings are what helped us so much during COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was nice that Yoga Alliance relaxed their uh, policies a little bit so that we could teach teacher online. So that was, that was great. We also do, we don't do retreats in the normal fashion. You know, we have, there's so many yoga studios that do retreats in Costa Rica or go to Belize and places like that. And those are great money makers. We, you know, Lauren have a travel business on the side. So it's Twisted Sisters Travel that we do yoga vacation stuff. But, you know, and then having workshops. In fact, you know what? I need to have you come back down and teach a workshop, just a weekend workshop for everyone instead of just Reiki. Yeah, I know. I would totally do it. I have a couple in mind. (laughs) But, you know, using your friends, having them, because, you know, I teach so far every workshop we have had, with the exception of the one our friend Lynn came and taught. I've taught every workshop studio. And, you know, it's fun to have a different face. It's not fun to always have the cat show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, a different face, and then you know, and workshops are fun. People get excited about them. Yeah, we should do that. We need to plan that. <laughs> Let's do it. Do it. And nothing. Sidebar. Even- Let's yeah. do that. And you even asked me to come up and teach a journaling workshop for you, so I may do that too if you ever want me to. I think so. Jump on it. Well, but the one thing is, you know. Don't try to do everything yourself. You know, don't try to do it all. You'll be, a, as they say, a jack of all trades and a master of none. So, you know, find your friends that are experts in some areas. Or if it's not one of your friends, message Tanya and I. You know, we we both dabble in a little bit of everything. We'll come to your studio and teach a workshop. We would love that. Ooh, we should teach a workshop together. Wouldn't that be super fun? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Nobody can see my face, but it was a real big happy face. <laughs> it was a 
big happy face. So you know, when you talk about not trying to do it all on your own, it's that it's really goes back to that key players. Like, who are your key players going to be? If if marketing isn't your jam, then find someone to do your marketing for you. If accounting isn't your jam, then find somebody to do your accounting for you. If you know, like, these are the parts of it. If getting to the studio to clean or your office space or whatever it is, it's just too much work, then find someone to clean for you. And even if you're like, well, I can't handle the expenses right now, then do it as a trade. Do it as a yoga trade. You get your membership. But with that membership, you agree to clean every Saturday at whatever established time or whatever it is and make that trade. Like Mm -hmm. there's great ways for new young businesses to create what we used to call studio ambassadors, right? That person wasn't just a member. They were part of the team, right? They did get yoga out of the deal and no money out of the deal, but that was their payment was their membership. And Mm -hmm. there's lots of ways to do it. There's lots of ways to establish who your team is so that you're not breaking your back. Because if you're breaking your back, the business is not going to succeed and you're going to burn out. Yeah, exactly. And the key word there, because we call everyone on our team, our team also, because it is like a family. When you find the right people to work with, they don't work for me. They don't work for you. They work with us because we're one family, we're one team. When people, I mean... It's just priceless. It's fabulous. Set the intention out there and the right people are going to line up. Mm-hmm. They're going to line up. It's yeah. like the good old fashioned field of dreams. If you build <laughs> it, they will come. Yes, exactly. And if you build it with your heart and your passion, then for sure they're going to come. Mm-hmm. And this is that whole, you know, meaning of why not to worry about your competitors because your competitors are not you. You alone make your business, your passion, your love, your desire, and what you put out there with your team of people is what's going to attract them always. When you falter on what your love and your passion is, that's when the competitor is going to sneak in on you. Mm -hmm. If you build it, they will come. Be true to yourself and be true to your tribe. True to your tribe, baby. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Pittas on a Pod.